When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Robert Zemeckis is an absolute hero of mine. From Back to the Future to Polar Express and Forrest Gump, he makes the kind of movies you can watch over and over again. So it is an absolute honour to welcome him to Soundtracking, the weekly screen music podcast with me, Edith Bowman. Robert's collaborator-in-chief is composer Alan Silvestre, who has scored every one of his films since Romancing the Stone, which came out in 1984 and yes we will be playing the theme from that which is very much of its time as well as a couple of classic tunes from Forrest Gump and plenty more besides. But we begin with his latest project Welcome to Marwin. Starring Steve Carell it's based on a documentary about artist Mark Hogenkamp who in 2000 was brutally attacked by five men after he told them he was a cross-dresser. Following nine days in a coma, Mark suffered brain damage that left him little memory of his previous life. By way of therapy, he built a model World War II-era Belgian town in his yard and populated it with dolls, representing himself, his friends and even his attackers. He called the town Marwenkol, and this is Alan's cue of the same name. Congratulations on Welcome to Marwin. Oh, thank oh, you. Wow, what a film. Thank you. It's really emotional. It means a lot to me. Thank you. I'm glad you're, I, gl- I really appreciate that. It's very hard to describe to people. Yes, it is. And that's a great thing because not right. many films you can do that. Not these days. <laughs> it's like we like to call it, it defies all genres. Yeah, it does. There's so much heart to it. There's so much humor. There's so mm-hmm. much truth. And it's just wonderful to find this voice in it as well. well thank you. What was the... What was the instant connection you had with the story from the, the documentary I think you saw? Well, the instant connection, the first instant connection, as I was I was really taken with the uh, this notion that I thought was the story in Mark's life, this notion of healing through the power of art. That might be a universal theme, mm-hmm. I, and I, I now do believe that, you know, completely. And then I like the idea of 
bringing to life this imaginary doll world that was going on in his head. And I thought that that's something that you can only do in the cinema. Yeah. When I came out, well, I mean, one of the many things I was kind of thinking in my head was like, how did you do it? <laughs> but I think that... Well, that's like... always a good... That's always good. <laughs> but I think that about so many of your films, I mean, we have a kind of religion every Christmas where Polar Express is, you know, mm -hmm, it's, it's, right. it's, a part, it's, it's a religion almost for us every right, year right. and stuff. But that's what's wonderful and a real honour to have you here is that you have, you have been part of our lives for... You know, oh, for, I appreciate for that. Thirty odd years, sort of thing. Oh, thank you. When it comes to music as well, you—it comes across, I think, in all of your films that you have a real passion for music. That music has a connection with you, both mm. in terms of score and in contemporary tracks that you mm -hmm. choose to put in your films. Would you agree? Yeah, but you know, I don't know anything about music. I mean, I played the guitar when I was a kid, okay. and I and I was forced to take piano lessons when I was young. <laughs> Weren't we all? And, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I. I'm not trained in music. Mm -hmm. But you see the, you feel the emotion. In I feel it, yes. Yeah. Right. And I think that's more important sometimes. Right, right. And that's why, that's where and when music really works in film, I think, as well. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. in Marwin, there were a couple of things that I really kind of, I think, you know, you have this beautiful kind of soaringness that starts with the film. And it really sets, sets the tone, I think, kind mm -hmm. of immediately. And then that kind of clever use of, of the kind of military drums mm -hmm. at times and, right. and things like that. It's uh it's such a colourful score, I think, as well, yeah. that, that transcends those worlds, different worlds within the film as right. well. Was that an easy thing to navigate through with Alan? Yes, because, you know, Alan and I, you know, we have this... It's a long relationship. We have this long relationship <laughs> and we have this shorthand. And I'll, let me start, though, by saying that Alan, uh, I consider, is my creative soulmate. Mm -hmm. He and I go way back to you know, Romancing the Stone, and he's scored every mo ago. one of my movies and TV shows since then. So he's the first person that I show the movie to okay. when I finish cutting it. And he comes in with, you know, a complete uh, objective eye because he doesn't see any dailies or hang around the set or do anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so when I finish the movie, I bring him into the editing room and I sit there with my editor and him, the three of us, and I show him the movie. And then he tells me what he thinks, and he and he you know, and he gives me his honest opinion. But I already, I, but I already can tell what he thinks based on his body language. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, he can't he can't hide the truth from me. Um, but anyway, um, and then we have this magnificent shorthand that we have. Mm. So that's how we work. So I'll most of the time cut temp music in that doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. But it gives us a place to start discussing what we need to do to get from here to there. So, yeah, we wanted the opening of the movie to have that kind of 1950s, 1960s war adventure movie score, like from those World War II movies of the 50s and 60s.
I, I find it really funny to hear that when you do temp, you don't use Alan's music. No, <laughs> it, it never works yeah. <laughs> after all these movies. Although... I think Allied you did it in? Is that yeah, I don't know. I think in the last couple of movies, I've been finding some pieces of his that have been tempted in now. So yeah. we're getting to, we're putting together a larger body of work now that I can start temping with his own stuff, but not a lot. Yeah. How did you guys meet? Oh, that's a hilarious story. Um, I was in the middle of editing Romancing the Stone, and the word had gone out that I was looking for a composer. And I was interviewing composers and Alan literally just walked in my office with a cassette tape and said, I heard my agent told me that you're looking for, you know, composers. And I wrote something. I said, okay. So he put this, you know, this cassette tape in the player and it was kind of like what I was looking for, for the movie in that wild. And he did it on a synthesizer, very early synthesizer, because we're going way back. So it was kind of really interesting. Wow. How much yeah. did he know about the film? It's interesting that he had formed a kind of sound of the film. Yeah, I don't think he, I don't know. It was just kind of like, I kind of trying to, I'm trying to remember because I, I, he hadn't seen anything. I haven't shown him anything. And I maybe I had a conversation with him on the phone and I was kind of thinking, yeah, it's kind of like this, kind of like that. And then he came in with this tape. That mm. might've been what, how it came about. I'll have to ask him. I'm going to go back and refresh my memory about that. But I can picture him. Amazing. I can picture the moment. I was in this little bungalow, this little tiny bungalow on the Fox lot. And then he walks. Then he walks in, yeah, with this tape, yeah. And 34 years later, you've worked with him across every film. And like you, he transcends genres. You know, he can throw his arm right. to, to so many things. And what was really interesting, I've got two boys who are five and ten. Mm-hmm. And when I showed my ten-year-old Back to the Future for the first time, mm-hmm. the thing that got his attention was the theme was the score immediately. Like, oh, yeah. Straight in there. It was like he was hypnotized right. immediately with that. Right. It's such an iconic piece of music. I believe that was Alan's first orchestral score. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Can you remember those times? Can you remember that 23 years back? 33 years back. Kind of. I kind of remember some moments of it. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) What can you tell me about it? About... Like the, what? The, the devising that score and knowing what you because it's it's supportive but it's not overbearing on the film in terms right. of it feels like part of the furniture. Yeah. It feels like one of the characters, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I don't I don't remember if I, I don't gosh, I don't remember what I tempt in there. I don't remember any of that sort of thing. I know that the only thing I was saying to Al is 
the movie we did previous to that was Romancing the Stone, was which, which was kind of a, how can I describe it? It was kind of a bit more of a saxophony, jazzy kind of a thing with uh, a lot of um, synth drums in it and stuff like that. But I remember talking to him saying, no, this one's got to be big. This has to have a big sound, has to have a big sound. You know, I remember, you know, say it's got to be like that, you know, whatever that was. And so, um, yeah, it, I can't, I can't take any credit for that Back to the Future score. It was just like right on the money. I love as well in A Welcome Tomorrow and the little nod to Back to the Future as mm-hmm. well. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of vocalised that in the cinema as <laughs> uh-huh. well. When I, saw it. I was like, yes! Right, right. I don't want to say anything for people because right. I don't want to spoil it right. sort of thing as well. But that was a lovely moment. Yeah. That was really, really nice. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And when it comes to the contemporary tracks that are in your, your films and in Welcome Tomorrow as well, some great choices. And I remember being a kid, and particularly with Back to the Future, it being the first film that I remember there being a great score, but also there being songs that I would hear on the radio then mm-hmm. after and songs right. that I or I heard my dad Johnny right. Be Good and things like right. that and it was the first film for me at the age of 10 where I was like oh wow you mm-hmm. know it wasn't just about score and that's something you've continued to do brilliantly with a lot of your films is that brilliant marriage between score mm-hmm. but contemporary tracks right. when you were thinking about the existing music that you were going to include in Marlon what was what was the thought process? Because I feel they really help take you into an emotional right. point of the characters. That's the really where I drew, drew the line. You mean, you, so we were, we were talking about records. Yeah, like yeah, records. addicted to love. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right. So for Marwin, yeah, and, and the, I, only, I only had two thoughts about it. One was what you were saying. I just wanted it to, to, to speak to the emotion. I didn't have any theme or any other conditions. Yeah. But what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to have it be set in a time. I wanted it to be all over the place. So yeah. we've got, you know, Roy Orbison, we've got Joni Mitchell, we got, you know, Robert Palmer. It's all over the place. And I thought, well, why not? You know, yeah. because I, I and, and by the way, it, it works because the movie doesn't ever specifically point out a time either. It's a, 
you know, it's kind of a nebulous time that Welcome Tomorrow Morrowind is set in. Even in those moments in the, I don't know what, how to refer to the doll world, but in that, mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the Belgian world, right. you know, when they're in the bar and, and there's, you know, and, and it's supposed to be World War II, but the music contradicts that as yeah, well. Yeah, we're so playing Jack, away. yeah, playing Jack, Jack White. White. Yeah. yeah, right, I know. It's really yeah. clever. <laughs> yeah. Really, really clever. Yeah, well, appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. When you touch my hand and talk sweet talk, I got a knocking in my knees and a wobble in my walk and I'm trembling. personal choices are these they always are they always are yeah because i i always um treat music like their characters in the movie that are that important so yeah i i could never just say to my editor you pick something yeah and and walk away from it i couldn't i could never do that (laughs) it's quite nice for us because it gives us a little insight into your record collection (laughs) yeah a little bit yeah (laughs) i watched back forrest gump last night and Uh known i was coming to see you today and boy i haven't seen that film in a few years and what a beautiful experience right. it was to watch that again, and the music in that as well. Right. Well, there I had there I had specifics. Mm-hmm. They all had to have existed in the time, and I drew the line at American mu- music. There's no English music in it. Mm-hmm. There's some Canadians, <laughs> but there's but North American music only because I I was too overwhelming. Uh, if I brought in all the English rockers, so I thought, okay, it's an American story, only North American music. Totally spoiled for choice. How much of that was in script? Is any of that in the script? None of it was in the script at all. You know, so I had long conversations with uh, Alan, you know, and that was the most extensive uh, playlist I've ever put in a movie. Mm. Um, so the music was, again, crucial to setting the, the period and the time.
So I remember us having this conversation where we were deciding, okay, where is there going to be score and where are we going to uh, have a source? Yeah. And we decided that this is going to sound like a simplification, but I don't, this, so the source would play the landscape and the score would play the heart, mm -hmm. the emotion. Another simplification was the source should, it should be like there's a radio on in the room playing like that's the soundtrack of our life kind yeah. of thing. It's just in the background. There's something happening here, but what it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there telling me I got to beware. I think it's time we stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. There's battle lines being drawn. Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Young people speak in their minds. I'm getting so much resistance from behind. Time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody, look what's going down. Even you know that opening piece of music with the feather. As soon as you hear that, as well. You're right now, that's Alan. Now, that's the genius of Alan. I showed him the movie. He was um, <laughs> he was dissolved in tears at the end of the movie. He went home, and that night he composed that. Wow. And he delivered it to me the next day. Isn't that amazing to think that you've created something that has that effect on someone? 
that they're oh yeah no that that, no that was like that that was that almost scared me a little bit (laughs) but um yeah no that was that was like i didn't i didn't i kind of didn't know what i didn't know if i should put my arm around them or (laughs) you know give him a tissue or what to do (laughs) you know but that was a powerful reaction that he had yeah and then he and he just was inspired Mm. there's i think it's called jenny's home there's another cue in the film as well which is just literally kind of you can almost feel it Mm-hmm. Playing with your heart, mm-hmm. almost. Right. Just, exactly. You can tell that that, that yeah. the connection he had with this story was was really profound. Yeah. Yeah. You can feel it in the score. Yeah. Really very much so. amazing relationship you've had with Alan over the years and and it's such a a unique thing I think for a a relationship between a director and a composer to last this long and for it to be solely the Mm -hmm. two of you and stuff was that a conversation that you had or is it you've just made that decision together that you know you you talk about him being your 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 priority in terms of collaborate or something but no, maybe is I should. An unspoken thing. Or yeah, it's un- maybe I should tell Al. Al, <laughs> you you're gonna come with me. No, no, no. But I mean, Alan will always show up. You know, there's been times when he was, you know, buried by, you know, doing like, a, you know, like a TV series or yeah. something, and he would have to make room for me to come in, and he always accommodates me. I just can't imagine. Well, I, I, you know, I hope I don't ever have to, but I can't imagine having to start over with another composer. Uh, because we have such a shorthand. I mean, it's literally, it's like, it's almost like we don't speak. It's almost, you know, it's kind of like we speak in code. Yeah. And you never you speak know. about music is what I heard. No, I don't ever. T- well, because I, well, I don't know how to, I don't know how to. We never talk about like, you know, oh, that should be an eighth note. You know, we would never, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we would never do That's- that. As a matter of fact, I don't ever even sit in the, in the, you know, any scoring. I'm always in the control room. I have to hear the music coming through the speakers. I can't, I don't even like to hear it. I, it's beautiful, but I, when I'm listening to it live, I can't judge it because it doesn't sound like I'm in a movie theater. It sounds like I'm in a concert hall, which has nothing to do with what I'm doing. So I always sit in the control room. I um, talk to Alan like he's an actor. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I only talk to him the- in terms of what, we should be feeling in the scene and not like what the music should be. So that's, that's how I speak to him. I think, you know, I, I say, you know, it's like a simplistic version. I say, you know, we got to really feel sad here, Al, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, right. Or, or I need some help here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I need some help. I need this to, you know, I, I, I you know, I really need you to kick this one in the ass, <laughs> you know, and give me some, you know, I need to hear some, you know, I need to hear some, some percussion here. I, you know, I need to hear something that's really driving. Yeah. I'll talk to him like that.
Now, here's the great thing about Al. When we're spotting the movie, Al will say, I don't hear music here, Bob. He'll say, I'm not hearing this. And I'll say, you don't think we should score that? He goes, I don't know what I would play. That's amazing. Yeah. Because that's almost as important as knowing when yeah. to put music in, isn't it? Absolutely. He does that a live. lot. I, I, I over temp, and then he'll say, that's not working. There's nothing, that, that, that just should be sound effects. It's so important to have people like that yeah. as part of your team, isn't it? Who can oh, yeah. be crucial. Really, yeah, like honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. where you have the hot, hot, hot chocolate, you know, yeah. all the kind of mm -hmm. the fun things. And there are so many fun things when, when it comes to music and right. films. And even in Forrest Gump, the kind of, you know, the little Elvis storyline mm -hmm. and stuff, which is really fun. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, with, the, with him and his, his leg braces right. and right. The, the dance moves and stuff. And there's this well, all right. Well, there's one that I had to have pr prior to production. The little Elvis yeah. bit. So that was one that we did ahead of time. So there might have been a few. I have to remember which ones I I, I, I had singled out. But that was the song. I had found that piece of, of video footage of Elvis that we cut to the television. So that's where I had to start that little bit for from there. It's greater than watching it in the right. shop window on the street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Such a great moment. Uh -huh. It's so good. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Sometimes, sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. Like when I, like in, Mar, you know, Welcome to Marwin, when I was trying to think of, okay, so what is a dive bar? What would be playing on a dive bar jukebox, you know? And then I thought, oh, well, you know, like, stand by your man. So I would play that. While I'm writing, so I get inspired by it, you know, so I'd play some, uh, yeah, I do play some music, but I don't play it constantly. Sometimes it's hard to be a woman Giving all your love to just one man You have Doing things that you don't understand 
But if you love him, you'll forgive him Even though he's hard to understand about the scene in Back to the Future with the Johnny B. Good track. Yes. And whether it was always going to be that track. Yes. Was that always written in? I think it was always in the first draft of the script because we had that joke about Marvin Berry in it. Um, so I, I do think that was always written in the first draft of the screenplay that he was going to do a Chuck Berry song and, and, and quote unquote invent rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> an amazing creative who isn't led by genre you can kind of turn your hand to so many different types of things I mean we haven't even talked about contact or mm -hmm. castaway and that wonderful thing that you did where with with him being on the desert island to make that decision to not have score right to really enhance that right. solitariness and prior to that before he got stranded it was only records only sourced so the only time the score came was that transformative moment when he basically was reborn by escaping from the island. decision-making based around a good story then is that what what kind of grabs you about yeah and I think that's what the and that's how I talk to Alan about the music it's like the music has this the music's all about the story or character mm -hmm. because that's what music does is it you know it, 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 it helps us to know a score 
I mean, score helps us to know how the character's feeling. Um, I'm going to ask you a difficult question right mm -hmm. now. We kind of, what's the great thing about the way that we are able to consume movies and TV now is that, like I did last night, I went on my uh, TV box and put your name in, mm -hmm. and pretty much every one of your movies was there and available for me to watch. Right. What would you pick to watch? Uh, of my right own now. movies? What would you watch right now? Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe I'd watch Romancing the Stone to kind of remember <laughs> what that first Alan score was all, was all about. The start of that love affair with Alan. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Take you back. Um, what's next? I got a bunch of things in development. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, I might do an adaption of this Raul Dahl book. Which is? Which is. Yeah. And I've got a thing that I want to do with uh, Dwayne Johnson about this Hawaiian uh, king called King Kamehameha. Yeah. Um, those are the two things that are at the forefront. I'm excited because one thing that you always do as well is in terms of how you approach technology. You always seem to be like, you know, with Marwin, mm -hmm. how you've managed to make this film is kind of, there's, there's, it's seamless, you know, it's kind mm -hmm. of, it's, it's beautiful and it's emotional and you kind of like, and you know, I think of Polar Express and it was, it's such a visceral experience in the way that you, with the motion capture and things. Right. That's an important part for you as well in terms of right. using everything that's available now and at the time. Right. Yeah, and you know, yeah, Polar Express was the first uh, motion capture, uh, performance capture movie ever made. And, you know, we, we did that. And you know, the other thing about Polar Express that you, uh, just popped into my mind is that was my, that, that's the closest I've ever been to a musical. And we had to write a whole bunch of songs before I started shooting. And, uh, you know, because we had to, like, know what they were going to be. Yeah. You know, so... Um, yeah, so that was uh, that was write... a whole different experience with me for me and Al. Did you get involved in that songwriting process? Oh, then? well, uh, not me writing the songs, <laughs> but I would, you know, I would, I would, I would sit there with Glenn Ballard, uh, collaborated with Al on the on the music writing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we would. I mean, that was that was that was a lot of work writing those songs. It's hard. Please, tickets. Well, you're coming. Uh, yeah, well, I got it. You know, well, oh, oh, think about oh. it. <laughs> oh, I well, no, they're, no, I, I would love to. They're just really hard. Mm. I mean, they're hard ones to make work. You know, it's it's kind of like the time has passed the art form by. But we'll see. You know, Mary Poppins, I think, is going to be a musical this Christmas. We'll see what I've that looks it. like. It's great. Is it They've good? Done a great job. Oh, yeah, good, yeah. good, done good. Done a really good job. Um, and and once again, just to mention Steve Carell as well in mm. Moran, who is he's just this. This amazing actor who can throw his hand to absolutely everything and anything. Yeah, he's really he's brilliant. He's just incredible. He really is, yeah. Not that he surprises me every time, but, you know, I saw a Beautiful Boy recently as yep. well. You know, it's mm -hmm. a different type of role. We watch him as Gru all the time. Right, of that, course. You know? So, but he just, he's, and not many actors, I think, get that opportunity as well to show that diversity and versatility yeah you know he's 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 brilliant absolutely brilliant and you know the reason that i cast him was obviously you know he's a brilliant actor but he had that ability to do 
both, you know, could do the comedy, and he was a, he's a magnificent dramatic actor, which is what I needed for this part. And playing two characters in a film as well, you know, within playing Mark, but also Hoagie's work. Yeah, exactly. Right. Really clever. Thank you for everything. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you. So far, and uh, I look forward to seeing what's next. All right. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank, thank you. you so much. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy, and I feel like loving you. Love you such a sweet thing, good enough to heat things, and that's just what I'm gonna do. Ooh, love to hold you, ooh, love to kiss you, ooh, love, I love it so. Ooh, love you sweeter, sweeter than sugar. soundtrack to welcome to marwin that's yummy 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 by julie london rounding off this very last soundtracking of 2018 but fear not there is plenty more to come my huge thanks to robert for taking the time to talk to us welcome to marwin is on general release around the world now and is a typically ambitious and brilliant piece of filmmaking i'd also like to say a huge thanks to you for all your support throughout the year really is hugely appreciated and we already have plenty to look forward to in 2019 including uh, john s baird talking stan and ollie producer elizabeth carlson talking about colette and her long-term collaboration with partner stephen woolley Eli Roth. We also have from one of our live soundtrackings, a female composer special, Joe Edgerton, Joe Cornish and plenty, plenty more. Keep up to speed with what's coming up by following us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and please do subscribe via your preferred podcast provider if you haven't already. Next up sees the return of the super talented Yorgos Lanthimos, whose latest movie, The Favourite, has critics absolutely purring. But before that, in the next couple of days, we'll have uh, an extra episode for you announcing this year's BAFTA EE Rising Star nominees and with as many of the nominees as we could get our hands on. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Happy New Year. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.